Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But if you're ready to level up your life and get results that truly matter in your health, business, mindset, and relationships, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Sheer Madness, where we have unscripted, real conversations with the world's top athletes, entrepreneurs, and coaches. Discover real-world and tactical advice from the best in the business. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? It has been a little bit since I recorded a podcast, and it has been a pretty crazy year. We've had so many changes over at Rachel Shear Nutrition with bringing on new health coaches and expanding our business. So we've taken a little bit of a break from doing some podcasts. And if you were a previous listener to the podcast, we did a lot of interviews. Well, today we're going to be doing a Q&A format with the podcast. And I have my good friend, Michelle Stallings here today. Hello. <laughs> and she is the um, host of Ambitious and Fit Podcast. She is a boss babe. She is amazing. And she's one of my most incredible friends that I have. And she's been there for me through so much. So she's going to be asking a lot of the questions that you guys have for me today. And today we're going to be really diving into my own story. Previously on a lot of the podcasts, um, we did a lot of interviews with a lot of incredible guests, but today we're going to be really diving into my story and answering a lot of your questions. So Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Oh, we're definitely going to get plenty out of it. So, hey guys, my name is Michelle Stallings. I'm super excited to be here and to interview Rachel. So, just like many of you, you know, a lot of us follow, you know, Rachel on Instagram, and you know, we feel like we know you, and but it's it's almost like you know, with with Instagram. It's more about, you know, the, the fitness and then the nutrition, and then we see a little bit about your life, but I think I can speak for everybody. We just want to know more about you mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of peel back the layers of who is Rachel Shear, but also, you know, a little more about your background story in general. Like we know you're this amazing, ambitious female that is just incredible and so knowledgeable when it comes to functional nutrition and medicine overall. And we just overall trust you, but i as similar to everybody else, like, I just want to get to know you more. And, um, you know, just through the past year of us becoming really close friends, I've seen this side of you that I feel like all of your followers and all of the people and your clients will just love to know you even more and trust you more by knowing this information. So I'm so excited to go through your story. Um, so with that, tell us a little bit about, you know, who is Rachel Shear and kind of what led you up to who you are today. Like, give us some background on a little bit about your story. Yeah. And um, I know I've touched on it previously in some of the interviews that I've done with my own story, but I've never really gotten to take the time to just really dive into my own story. And I'm actually very much an introvert. Um, I grew up really, really shy and confidence is something that I've always struggled with. And even when I do podcasting like today and now when I speak in front of even thousands of people that I do, it is something that is so scary and so uncomfortable for me to do. But it's taken me a while to get there and to build that confidence. And a lot of it comes from my roots and the things that I've had to go through in order to create that confidence that I have today, which, you know, I'm by no means perfect and I still struggle with it like a lot of people, but I feel like I've been able to 
to build up a lot of tools in my, um, in my resources to, to overcome a lot of these things. So, um, as a lot of you may know, I am a functional medicine nutritionist and I own my own nutrition practice here in the Dallas Fort Worth area and, uh, functional medicine basically means root cause. Mm-hmm. So it just means why do we have a problem in the first place and what can we do to restore function? Mm-hmm. But before getting to that point and having this massive business and with coaches and, you know, speaking in front of people and having an online following and over of a quarter of a million, like I said, I grew up very, very shy, introverted. And um, my parents actually um, weren't there for me a lot when I was a kid. I, uh, I was a middle kid and um, I came from a family of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And um, my father also suffered from mental illness. So I spent a lot of time alone as a kid. And I actually had to learn how to take care of myself at a really young age. And, you know, most of my family had gone down this path of drugs and alcohol. And um, I was really involved in sports as a kid. I was a gymnast and I was a dancer. So Luckily, that kept me very grounded in everything that I was doing. And, you know, I think from the get-go, that kind of created a lot of my drive. And it kind of was an outlet for me and gave me a source of connection, a source of achievement, and a source of a way for me to better myself. But um, growing up was definitely not easy and kind of watching the whole path that my sister went down with alcohol, that my father suffering from mental illness, also being an alcoholic and my mom, you know, spending most out nights out drinking. And, um, it really took a toll on me. And when I went off to school, you know, I decided I wanted to be nothing like the rest of my family. Yeah. Um, so I, I always talk about the story of, uh, the, the two brothers mm-hmm. and it's the, my father was an alcoholic, therefore I'm an alcoholic. Or there's the, my father was an alcoholic, therefore there's no way I'm going to be an alcoholic. And that's kind of the mindset that I gravitated towards. And people always ask me, you know, why? What what kind of led you to go that direction? Yeah. Versus the direction that most of my family has gone down. Yeah, let's dive into that. Yeah, of drugs and alcohol and substance abuse. And um, I think just seeing how it affected my sister and her mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's still something I'm honestly trying to unravel, you know, as I've gone throughout these last previous years of really getting to know myself. But I'm really glad that I, I took that path because it ultimately created the mindset that I have here today. Yeah. Um. So that's what really created some of my initial driving factors to want to be better. And it came from a place of, I didn't want to go down that path that my family had gone down with, with drugs and alcohol. And when I went off to school, um, I actually started to getting into weightlifting and, um, I was, since I was a gymnast and I was a dancer, um, it kind of really, I was really good at it in all honesty. Yeah. Um, I was able to, 
you know, it was, it was a outlet for me to feel my best. And it created that confidence in me as well too. For, so for someone who grew up very introverted, very shy, uh, spent a lot of time alone, it was that outlet for me again, just like sports was with gymnastics and dance. So, um, fitness for me really was a way to create that confidence and create that version of myself that I was really, really proud of as well too. So, um, I got into bodybuilding and mm-hmm. I got into competing throughout that. And then over time that ultimately led to me getting into more of nutrition, wanting to go to Baylor for nutrition and dietetics. And then, you know, here I am at today where I have my own nutrition practice and we can dive into it a little bit as well too, but there was a lot of health issues along the way that brought me to more of the functional medicine side, but that's really kind of the beginning of my story. It was my childhood that really shaped my mindset to want to create something of myself and to not go down that path that most of my family had gone down. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I mean, thank you for sharing that story. I can tell just with the underlying sounding your voice that it's not something that typically comes up for you, but just the fact that you're being so vulnerable with us and just kind of giving us an insight to, you know, this hasn't been a perfect path for you. Um, I'm sure that you've heard from different sources, you know, like, oh, Rachel Shear, she's always had that body yeah. or she's so lucky, like that term. And, you know, they don't even know the the story and, yeah. you know, everything you had to go through in order to get to where you are today. So thank you for just sharing that with us. I think that's incredible. And, um, you know, something else that maybe you think of, you know, just your personality in general, yes, you're an introvert, but you also, you kind of remind me a little bit of... Um, I think maybe like a little bit of an achiever. Have you mm-hmm. taken an Enneagram test by chance? I have. I have taken it actually recently. Um, my dietitian, Christine, made me take it. And uh, it's the best. Yes. I was a three, four. So I was achiever, but I also had the individualist side of me, which actually kind of makes sense. Definitely. My background, um, just wanting to figure out like what my identity was, but the achiever of just always wanting to pursue more and better myself. Definitely success oriented for you, for sure. And for those of you who don't know the Enneagram test, it's a personality test. It's pretty recent. And so it's over nine different types. And you essentially just answer this long list of questions and just determine how you would respond to certain situations. Um, but overall, I think, um, yes, you, the moment that I even heard that you were yeah. going to be, uh, <laughs> that you took the Enneagram, I was like, she's definitely a three, which I am as yes. well. So love it. I think that's fantastic. And, um, also then kind of leading into, you know, f- you know, functional medicine. So tell us a little bit more about like that, that root cause and like the, was it substance abuse or what, what was, I guess, what made you want to get into the functional medicine side versus just the health and fitness and nutrition side? Yeah, really great question. So um, when I got into bodybuilding and I was a competitor and I was known uh, online as Rachel Shear six pack abs, like everyone just was like, holy shit, this girl has like an eight pack. And, you know, at that time too, I placed a lot of my value on the way that I looked and I was a competitor and I was doing national competitions, which I love and I'm all for, and I still help so many girls uh, do competitions, but do it in a very healthy way because it could definitely go that other direction where competing can be very unhealthy as well too. And I got to see a lot of that side of it. You even helped me. Yeah, (laughs) we did. We We crushed it. Yeah. She did amazing. And, um, it was through competing kind of at that period of my life where things were very focused on the physical. They were focused on the way that I looked and just being 
very fit on the outside, but I wasn't so much focused on being fit and healthy on the inside. And one thing I always want to go back to is mental health is just as important as physical health. And I feel like during that period of my life, I was really neglecting my internal health. I was neglecting my mental health. So during that time, I started to actually get a lot of health issues. I started to have a lot of chronic gut issues. I had hormonal imbalances. Um, I was under a very stressful period of my life. Like, yes, with competing and training really hard, but I just don't feel like I was really taking care of my mental health during that period of my life and just kind of pushing my body to the extremes and kind of going back to um, the personality types, being that achiever type personality, you know, that can be an incredible thing, but it can also be a very dark road as well too, because you can push yourself to those extremes and push yourself way too far. And that's kind of where I was at, at that period of my life. So, you know, I, I really pushed myself beyond my limits. And I think what's so cool about competing is I was able to see what I was really capable of. Yeah. And that's one thing that I love is you really get to create that confidence and be like, holy shit, you know, I can create my dream body. I can get up on stage. I can be confident in, you know, and stand in front of a hundreds of people. And it's something you can't cheat with. I mean, you have to do the workouts. You have to eat your meal prepped foods in the perfect proportions. And it takes a lot of self-discipline. But during that period of my life, just having that intensive drive and overachiever mindset, it kind of really took a toll on my body. And um, I, as I mentioned, I started to have a lot of chronic gut issues, uh, I couldn't use the restroom anymore. Um, I had a lot of chronic bloating on a daily basis. I had like zero menstrual cycle anymore. Um, so my hormones were like non-existent and there's something called like, um, 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 female like menopause, but not so much like during menopausal, I kind of put myself in a menopausal state oh, wow. because of, you know, the stress that I was under. I had a very low percent body fat during that time of my life. And, uh, you know, I started to get all these health issues and it really was a big wake up call. You know, I was so focused on the physical and, you know, sometimes the most physically fit person on stage is oftentimes the most unhealthy from an yeah. internal standpoint. So that was like a really big wake up call. And I actually remember the wake up call. I was sitting at a colorectal surgeon's office who actually wanted to cut out my entire large intestine. My gut issues had become so severe. Um, I couldn't use the restroom anymore at all, which can cause a lot of health issues of toxins that build up in your body. Mm -hmm. um, just not going to the restroom at all. So their solution was to, to cut, was to, to cut out my entire large intestine. Basically what they do is they connect your small intestine to the rectum. And that's the solution to me not being able to use the restroom anymore with a lot of my gut issues. But again, that really wasn't the source of what was going on. Right. Yes, I had a lot of gut issues. Um, I couldn't use the restroom. I had hormonal imbalances. And I remember sitting there in the doctor's office being like, there's got to be another solution to this. And yeah, they were just taking a shortcut of some sort to be like, oh, 
here's the solution, but there's got to be more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I call this the band-aid solution with my nutrition practice. Um, if we weren't really looking at the root cause. So I had all these symptoms. I was suffering, um, with irritable bowel syndrome, chronic distension, constant constipation. Mm-hmm. I also had depression. Um, I couldn't sleep anymore too. And that was all hormonal related. So I had all these symptoms and I was given all these medications. Here's an antidepressant um, for the depression. Here's birth control for the hormonal imbalances. Mm-hmm. Here's all of these other medications because you can't use the restroom. Hey, it's not getting better. Let's cut. And that was kind of my breaking point. And what's interesting is sometimes we go through these things in life, which seem like the end of the world. And you're like, why is this happening to me? But it's actually fuel for you to use for your own purpose. And that's actually what it did for me. So during that time, I decided to take more of a holistic approach to my health, more of a functional medicine approach, which, as I mentioned before, functional medicine, meaning root cause. Mm -hmm. So I basically became like obsessed with learning about the insides of our body. So beyond just nutrition and before it was nutrition to help people lose weight, you know, build muscle. But this was a very different side of nutrition. This was looking at your hormones. This was looking at your gut microbiome, which is all the little bacteria that reside in your gut, um, which does everything between control your immune system, the transit of food, the synthesis of vitamins and minerals, even your mental health, because most of our serotonin is produced in the gut. Um, I also looked a lot at my mental health as well too. Um, and then, you know, really taking a look at the overall picture of my life and, you know, what was going on there with the stressors, you know, with the training and where a lot of this was stemming from. And in all honesty, I did a lot of counseling during that time of my life as well too. And it took taking this holistic approach, this functional medicine approach as well to, to really figure out what was going on. And it turns out, um, I had uh, what's called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Um, and I had to do a lot of redistributing my gut microbiome, changing my diet, changing a lot of these lifestyle factors as well too, because we know stress can really, really affect the gut as well. So it, and it definitely didn't happen overnight, but over time, my body was able to heal in more of a holistic way. Um, And that's kind of just the general story of how I got more into the functional medicine side. And upon that, I just became so passionate about functional medicine. Um, I went through the Kalish Institute of Functional Medicine. I became certified and I really started to utilize more of this functional medicine approach with my clients. And what we look at now is beyond just nutrition, calories in, calories out. Mm -hmm. We look at the root cause. We look at the hormones. We look at the gut microbiome. We're looking at, you know, the whole picture. And then we're creating a customized program based off of this functional type lab testing, but then also looking again at the bigger picture, what's going on with our mental health, our relationships. All of these things matter when it comes down to our health in general. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that it's it's just amazing to hear you give all of the background and the things mm-hmm. that your practice does and just overall, you know, your you know background of everything. I think it's incredible. And these are things that, you know, people like me being one of your previous clients and one of your friends, like, and being in the fitness industry myself, these are things that people don't think about. Yeah. They're all like, oh yeah, it's just about eating healthy and getting in the gym. That's not what it's all about. There's so many, every number one, everybody is different. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you 
instantly, the moment that you sit down with somebody, you say, all right, let's talk about you. Let's do all these different types of testing. Let's find out more about your body because everybody's different. There's no cookie cutter situation for anybody, right? And so the fact that you're diving into hormones, imbalances, gut issues, you're and you're even touching on like how are your stress, how are your stress levels, how are you sleeping? Um, that even dives into a little bit about, you know, how do you work with somebody that is dealing with emotional eating? What's some what are some yeah. things that you you know, I know that at least as a female, I, I don't know about guys, but I mean, females, we eat our feelings. Yes. <laughs> so what are some things that you, you know, do and talk to them about? You know, food is very much emotional, of course. You know, we go to any kind of a holiday event or we're with family and friends. You know, everything is always revolving around food. Right. Um, and then when we go through periods of stress or, you know, periods of being, um, you know, sad, depressed, we turn to food because food is very, very comforting as Mm -hmm. well too. So a lot of what I do is kind of trying to get to the root again, the root cause. And sometimes this can come from traumas in our past, our childhood, our relationship with food as to how that began. I've had clients who, you know, were very, very restricted as a kid. They weren't allowed to ever, you know, eat the pizza, eat the candy. So when they went off to college and, you know, they kind of overdid it at those periods of their Mm -hmm. life. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I want to go out and celebrate and I want to have a cheat meal and I want to have something, you know, like pizza or have that burger and fries. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think it, you know, we have to look at the overall picture, you know, with the person. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's becoming something that's very, very unhealthy, you know, so I've worked with people with a lot of food addiction and it's, it's harder actually than working with someone with like, who's addicted to alcohol and drugs because we're so surrounded around food 24 seven. If someone, um, let's say has alcohol dependency, you know, you just have to remove yourself from situations, um, where alcohol is present, you know, environment is huge, but when it comes to food, it's really, really hard to remove yourself from a lot of those situations. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of what I try to do when it comes to things like food, addictions is breaking that cycle. And more often than not, people are addicted to what I call hyper palatable foods. More, most people aren't overeating, you know, a bunch of fruit. They're not overeating the protein sources, avocados, the leafy greens. They're overeating what I call these hyper palatable foods. They're these foods that just taste so good that we can't stop eating it. So it, uh, it is the, the pizza, the ice cream, the chips. It's those foods that the food industry has manufactured in a way to make you addicted to them. And you can even think about the Lay's uh, like commercials. I bet you just can't eat one. They were literally saying like, we're going to make you addicted to them. And what happens when we eat these foods is we release certain neurochemicals in the brain, things like dopamine and even serotonin, which are very similar responses to when we're doing drugs. For example, sugar is highly, highly addicted because it releases a lot of those neurotransmitters. And then you combine that with things like um, uh, fats, you combine that with salt, and that's where we get that whole triad of that hyperpalatable food. So when I deal with someone who has food addictions, typically it comes to cutting out these hyper palatable foods for at least 30 days. So I do somewhat of an elimination diet. Um, you know, if someone is an alcoholic, you can't tell them, 
you can have a drink once per week because the only thing they're going to be doing is thinking about, oh my gosh, I can't wait until I get to have that next drink. You know, and they're just going to be thinking about that all week long. So when we can cut out all these hyper palatable foods, the first thing we go through is a lot of the withdrawal, just like going through like a drug withdrawal. And it's really hard. You can get a lot of like the night sweats and sweating and a lot of the cravings and the chronic fatigue, which is completely normal. But it, it takes kind of pushing through that period, you know, and getting to that 30 day point. And what most of my clients tell me is, wow, I don't crave these foods anymore. Right. You know, and then we can get to a point where we can have it like, you know, a couple times per week, but it's kind of breaking that cycle first. So we cut out a lot of the bad stuff, a lot of these hyperpalatable foods, and then we add in a lot of these good stuff. So we add in a lot of these whole foods, the leafy greens, the high quality protein sources, the healthy fats that make you feel very full and satisfied where you're more than likely not going to overeat these foods. I always like to give the example of like steak, for example. You like steak, right? I love steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of us like steak, but we're not going to overeat steak. You're going to order a filet. You're going to eat it until you feel full and satisfied. And you're going to be like, that was awesome. That was good. I'm done. Now give me pizza, give me ice cream. I will override those Mm -hmm. hunger signals all day. And I will just keep eating into the point where basically I'm in pain. And then I'll still probably make room for dessert because (laughs) the foods just (laughs) taste so good. So especially our chocolate, the evolved chocolate that you gave me is so good. I would eat like five bars of those for sure. Yes. So it's even hard sometimes with those healthy dessert type foods, Mm -hmm. but I think it's getting to a healthy relationship with food. And I think some of us can have a degree of food addiction and it kind of depends on how extensive that degree of food addiction is. And maybe not everybody needs to do like a 30 day zero foods that are hyper palatable or any processed type foods, but it can be a little bit, um, it can be something a little bit more like stepping into it, I would say. So maybe it's just kind of noticing these periods when these emotions are coming up and really trying to take note if you're actually hungry or you're not. So if you're hungry, you're going to feel that in your stomach. And one thing maybe I'll ask my clients is where do you feel it? And do you feel it in your throat? Do you feel it in like your head when these stressors or these emotions are coming up? Because if you're hungry, if it's a true hunger, you're going to feel that in your stomach. In which you are, you should definitely eat something. Mm -hmm. And that's when you should eat some of those whole foods. But if you're feeling like the stress or the anxiety and you're feeling that like, let's say in your chest where like a lot of us get it. And your response is, ooh, I want to get rid of this feeling. I want to gravitate towards food. You know, that's something if you become more aware of you stop being the program and you start being the observer of a lot of these thoughts and you can actually kind of break a lot of these habits in the process. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads into some of the questions that your audience did have for you just in general. And what do you, what would you say your diet looks like? Yeah. It, it's a lot of what I was just talking about. It, it's very whole foods based. And mm-hmm. I get a lot of questions on social media always like, are you vegan? Are you keto diet? Like what is the diet that you do? And you know, we all have a diet of course, but I hate the word, like what is like the diet you follow? So, I mean, my diet, it's really just getting back to the basics. It's whole foods based. So, and then also making sure I'm getting all of the correct macronutrients that I need. So macronutrients, protein, fats, carbohydrates that I need on a daily basis. And then also trying to get in, um, a lot of 
high quality nutrient-based foods. So, you know, we live in a world where 50 to 70% of the population is overweight or obese. So we're the most overweight cohort in history, but also the most nutrient depleted. And it's because we're missing all of these nutrients that we get from food. So if we're not getting these nutrients from the food we're eating, so they're these very hyperpalatable foods, we're going to stay hungry because our body needs these nutrients that it's missing. So my diet, it's very whole foods based. So I always make sure I'm getting a very high quality protein. So high quality protein, what does that mean? So it means protein and animal protein in its most natural organic form. So there's a lot of going on right now with meat being bad for us. You know, everyone kind of jumping on the whole vegan bandwagon and processed meat in conventional meat, it definitely is bad for you. And we shouldn't have that in our diet. But if we're getting things like grass-fed and finished beef, wild-caught fish, pasture-raised chicken, you know, these sources are actually really good for us. And I always give the analogy when it comes to red meat, um, you know, it's not that we are what we eat. We also are what our food eats as well too. So a cow's diet is originally grass. And if you can think of like a person who originally, or let's think of a person who eats all fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And we think of someone else who eats all pasta and pastries. These two people are going to have a very different body composition. Mm -hmm. So now let's look at a cow who's eating grass versus a cow that's eating grains. So the cow that's eating grains is going to get fattened up really, really, really fast. And they do that purposely now. They feed them grains because they want them to get fat. They want them to be able to to get fat so they can slaughter them, so they can make all this meat, so they can make more money in the process. But in the process of doing that, we change the fats in that meat. So grass-fed and finished meat is traditionally high in a lot of omega-3s like salmon, which are anti-inflammatory fats, where grain-fed meats are high in omega-6s, pro-inflammatory fats. So that's why the quality of your meat matters. So a lot of people will say, just don't eat meat in general. But if you were to pay more attention to the quality of your meat that you're eating, that would make that much of a difference. So I'm always making sure I'm getting a serving of protein with every, every time I'm eating. And that actually leads into one of the questions. So people were wondering, how much protein do you have per day, roughly? Mm -hmm. what, what would you say is, what do you have? And then what would you typically suggest for a client? So with a lot of my clients, we'll do a body composition scan and I can look at how much skeletal muscle mass they carry. Um, and then I will do one gram per pound of skeletal muscle mass that they're carrying. However, I know most people don't have access to do a body composition analysis. And in that case, I may do about like 0.8 grams per pound of their overall body weight. So mm -hmm. I'll kind of bring it down a little bit because we do have a little bit of a fat on our body. Um, so that can kind of give you a good ballpark. And it is better to kind of overestimate the protein than I will say underestimate the protein, um, just because a lot of people are very, very protein deficient um, and can lead to more than just the muscle side of things. Um, we need these amino acids to support our gut, the gut lining, which is also a muscle tissue. We need it for the production of neurotransmitters. These amino acids are needed to produce things like serotonin and dopamine in the brain. So we need these amino acids for more than just muscle tissue and movement in general. So 
protein is incredibly important. So I would say, you know, that's the first thing you need to make sure you're getting in with all of your meals. And then the next thing would be um, a good healthy fat source. And in the past, we used to say like fats are bad, you know, fats make you fat, right? Yep. That's yeah. everybody was always like, <laughs> make sure everything is super low fat or um, no fat at all, anything. Yep. It's like fats and carbs. Everybody has like had this whole stigma of either you go high fat or you go high carb yeah. or, you know, it's just the Atkins diet. There's so many fads that were in the past yeah. and like, we really appreciate the fact that you come from a very holistic nutrition approach mm-hmm. where you need a pill, you know, a little bit of everything. And I think that goes into, you know, another question that, you know, your audience had was talking about, you know, what do you eat for snacks typically? So, um, I know for me being in the fitness industry too, and just making sure like getting enough protein per day, you know, the one gram per body weight or 0.8 per, uh, per pound of body weight, you know, it's really hard to get to. And everybody says, I can't eat that much protein, Rachel. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so what do you suggest or what do you typically eat for snacks in order to help meet that goal each day? So you're going to hate this answer, but I, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I don't snack. Yeah, I, I don't snack because to answer your question is it's really hard to get in high protein sources in a snack. And most mm-hmm. snack convenient options are very processed food food options. So I do four meals per day and I'm very, very active. So I do four. I think some people who aren't very active can get away with getting doing three meals and minimizing the snacking between the meals and getting that protein getting that serving of healthy fats, getting some fiber. And if you're someone who's trying to build muscle or you're very athletic, add in some of those starches as well too. You know, that should really be what your diet looks like. And you can break up the amount of meals, but I'm honestly not a fan of snacking. Like I'm not going to say never. Um, If I do have a snack and I feel like I need something, I'll typically gravitate towards doing fruit and then I'll always pair it with a fat. So I'll pair it with something like almonds, some nut butter. Um, I try to avoid doing what I call naked fruits because then it's just pure sugar by itself and it really spikes your blood sugar and it doesn't really hold you over very well. So if you compare any kind of a, a fruit or a carbohydrate, you should always pair it with a protein or a fat if you're doing a snack. But I, I don't really snack. In I honesty. think you, you answer the question. I mean, the fact that you do four overall balanced meals throughout the day. I think that's a really good resource for everybody to have and to know. And just even that little tidbit of like, you know, pairing a snack with something else just to make sure that you're still having this overall balance is perfect. Even I'm, even I'm taking note of that. So I think that's great. And, um, that also leads into, you know, what do you think are the best fats for cooking? Are you like a, um, extra urgent olive oil person? Are you more avocado, coconut oil? What, what, what do you think are the best oils to cook with? So this is something I actually learned in the last couple of years, but olive oil actually turns rancid when you cook with it because it's a low temperature cooking fat. So olive oil is an incredible fat. Um, It has a lot of those mono unpolysaturated fats in it, and it's great for reducing inflammation. So using olive oil as marinades, using it for uh, salad dressings, using it for low cooking temperature foods, it's great. But if you're trying to fry, let's say some eggs or anything like that, um, I really don't recommend doing olive oil. You can do something like avocado oil. Like you mentioned, avocado oil um, is a high cooking temperature fat. So you can utilize that. That has a lot of those mono and polyunsaturated fats that are really good for you as well too. 
Um, and then, you know, I'll kind of pick and choose based off of the flow flavor profile I want. Sometimes I'll use ghee, which ghee is going to be a saturated fat, but ghee is basically a clarified grass fed butter. Um, sometimes I'll cook with something like a uh, macadamia oil as well too, which is actually a nut oil, sometimes sesame oil, just kind of for that flavor profile. I'd say most common though that I'm, I'm using is an avocado oil. Um, sometimes I'll use coconut oil as well too, and that's a really good one. And you can buy some um, good extra virgin coconut oil that has some more of a higher cooking temperature. But those are really like the ones that I recommend, you know, using an avocado oil and then maybe sometimes using things like ghee, maybe some macadamia nut oil, um, and then using things like olive oil, mainly for like dressings and marinades. I was about to say, Rachel, fun fact for everybody, Rachel loves her avocados. Like, yeah. for real <laughs> because we, um, my husband, Tony, is going to be bringing us lunch after this, and he is making sure that she has plenty of avocado on her, <laughs> on her lunch, but... I eat a full one like every single day. <laughs> truly, I know the, how much you love it. So I love that you said it three times in a row. Yeah. So good. Um, and then just kind of diving a little bit more on into, um, you know, more of like the personal side of like you and just in general, um, a question that came up a lot from your audience was what is your morning routine like? Mm-hmm. Morning routine is like my sacred time. And it's something that like, once you start doing and having a very powerful morning routine, like I can't live without it anymore. And my morning routine is really where I shape my mindset. I shape how I want to show up that day. I do a lot of visualization as to what I want to create for my life. So it's really my creative space. I'm a morning person. I'm not a night person. So I get all of my creatives out during that morning time period. So I always like to do a couple of things in the morning. Um, the first thing is going to be, honestly, I do a mini meditation and meditation is really, really hard when you initially get into it. Um, I've kind of varied the timing, um, as to how long I do these meditations for some days, it can be five minutes. Some days it can be 30 minutes, just kind of based off of what I feel like I'm needing. And of course my schedule that day, But a lot of us think of meditation as just kind of sitting there and thinking with our eyes closed, but it's actually so much more than that. It's, you know, becoming present in the now because most of us are really either focused on living in the thoughts of the past or anxieties of the future or the things that we have to get done. So the first part is creating presence and being in that the current moment. And you can do that by focusing on your breath. Some people will focus on different parts of their body. Um, And once you can kind of create that presence, then you can really enter into the thoughts that you want to create for yourself. So I like to use my morning to really, like I said, create the thoughts that I want to think on a daily basis. And I think not enough of us really do that. You know, we have these thoughts coming in and out, but about, I think I forget the statistics and don't quote me on it, but I think it's like 90% of the thoughts we think on a daily basis are the exact same thoughts that we thought the day before and the day before and the day before. And for most of us, we could literally take our lives and and, and our days and layer them on top of each other. And it would look the exact same. So if you want to create something new for yourself, you're going to have to think completely different. And meditation has really been that for me. Um, So I'll create that presence and then I will do something like visualization. And maybe this will be like 
me speaking on stage. It'll be me doing podcasting, being confident, me working with my clients and getting all these wins, what posts I'm going to do. So I, I do that creative time and visualization. And then after that, I do some kind of movement. Um, I think, you know, you can really change your state through movement. Um, so for me, it's maybe going for a walk. I'll take my dogs outside. And then after that, um, sometimes if I have time, I'll do some reading or journaling. I don't always have the time to do that, but I really like to put my thoughts on paper, write down some of my goals, um, write down things that I'm going through during that period of my life. And then after that, I kind of just get on with my day. But those three things, so creating space, you know, and really doing the visualization, movement, and then doing something that I'm learning maybe like, like reading podcasts, those things are all great and doing that on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to be super long. Sometimes it'll take me 30 minutes on top of getting ready to do that whole routine, to do the movement, to do the meditation, to do a little reading or journaling. And it makes such a difference in how I show up during the day for my clients and, and the amount of work I get done and just how I feel throughout the day. So it's something that I I seriously can't live without now that I've started doing that. I love it. And I know that I can always count on Rachel. I'm a morning person as well. She uh, even shared one of the books that she's probably going to be hitting on here in a moment, but called The Miracle Morning. And, you know, both of us are always up at 445, 5 a.m., starting that whole routine before the day starts. And it truly makes such a big difference. So um, with that being said, what would you say you hit on that you love learning? You're just a sponge when it comes to any sort of information and you love sharing it with everybody, which we, we all really appreciate. What would you say are your top three book recommendations, books or podcasts? What would you say are your go-tos? Mm-hmm. So books that I've read here in the last year that have really, really helped me. I'm going to touch on three different types, but since kind of leading off of meditation, um, one is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I've actually recommended, I think, this book to you as well as some of my other friends as well as clients. And it really dives into the science behind meditation and breaking that habit of being yourself. Because kind of what I talked about before is most of us are living in our thoughts of the past, which have ultimately ultimately become our habits and then ultimately our personality as well too. So if we want to create something new for our life, we have to think in a completely different way. So it's a really great book that dives into the science behind all of that and then kind of enters you into how to meditate. So I love that book, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, the next one, nutrition related, of course, is food. What the heck should I eat? <laughs> um, and he, it's actually from um, uh, the doctor's pharmacy with Mark Hyman. He's also a functional medicine expert, just like myself. And I love all of his stuff. So he has a very similar philosophy to what I do when it comes to my nutrition, when it comes to functional medicine. But I think that's just an incredible book because of the massive amount of misinformation out there when it comes to nutrition to just like food, what the heck should I eat? And he really dives into the why behind um, a lot of the different nutrition practices and what's going to be the best option, food sources, And then the last one, I always like to pick like a business type book, growth book. um, And that would be, I couldn't decide. So I'm going to say two. Um, One is going to be The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. um, And that was a really great one about 
um, being more effective with yourself, but also through business and through achievement and figuring out the whys behind it. And then the other one would be The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, talking about morning routine. Um, That's a really great book that gives you a lot of tangible things that you can do to create your own version of your miracle morning or your morning routine. Love it. And so how are you balancing everything that you have going on when it comes to, you know, making sure that you're working out, making sure you're doing your morning routine, working and being such a badass that you are right now and just your overall life. How are you balancing everything right now? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) You know, I'm a firm believer that perfect balance is unattainable in all honesty. We are never going to be able to have perfect balance when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your health, when it comes to your business. You can't do it all. So I always like to think of um, this analogy of like juggling balls, you know, and some of these balls are rubber balls and some of them are glass balls. Um, meaning where you can drop some of these balls and they'll bounce back, these rubber balls. And this can sometimes be like your work um, and things like that. But then we have these glass balls, which are things like your health and also relationships as well too, which you can drop them from time to time, but they may become nicked. And if you drop them too many times, they can shatter beyond repair. So it's looking at what is most important to you and prioritizing those things. So for me, my health relationships, those are my priority. Now it's easy for me to say because, you know, I I am single and I'm not in a relationship. So I can't really talk so much as into that difficulty right now. So that hasn't been a huge priority in my life. And it's allowed me to really focus on the business side of things as well, too, and um, the health side as well. But um, I would say just figuring out what those priorities are for you. And over time, it'll change. There may be times during your life where your relationship is the number one priority, whether it's trying to go on dates and meet people, or maybe it's in your marriage. And then maybe there are some times where your business is really taking the front end of everything and that's your full focus. But I think you have to know which are going to be your top things that you can't neglect in the process, which for me, I think health and relationships are those two things. Um, And then figuring out how you can incorporate things for those every day and then still pursue a lot of your other dreams and ambitions, whether that be work-related, hobby-related, or whatever it is that you're passionate about. Definitely. And so everybody is wondering, Rachel, so (laughs) we're going to dive into a little bit about the relationships, just a little bit, that way people can see some insight and ask you some questions. So Overall, what is, so you mentioned that you're currently single right now. What is that status for you in terms of romantic relationships? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I've been single for the last couple years and I've dated for sure. Um, I've gone on dates with people. I've kind of dated someone um, for a few months during that period of my life as well too, who's an incredible person. Um, but prior to then I was in a five and a half year relationship and I was basically almost married and we had a house together and dogs and you know, the whole shebang and everything. Yeah. And, uh, I got into that relationship when I was really young and, um, I won't dive into the details as to why it ended, but you know, 
it actually was a blessing in disguise because I was really able to learn so much about myself and to really create that independence during that this time of my life and to do a lot of healing work on myself and to get to a point where I didn't need anybody else. And I feel really, really fucking good yeah. <laughs> on my own. And to date, to have fun and meet people and to socialize and but also have that standard. And I think so many women, you know, and I've been like that in the past, we get to a place where it's hard. It's fucking hard to be alone and to not be in a relationship. Yep. And it can be really, really lonely during those times. And especially right now with COVID, I mean, at an all time high, people in general are lonely, they're isolated. And I think we need that human connection. Mm-hmm. So it's not neglecting the need for human connection. I just think it's looking as to where you can get that from. So like you, for example, I can get, you know, that same connection through my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get it through my family. And then now I can go out on dates and just really focus on enjoying it versus trying to rush into something just because I feel lonely because I'm not in a relationship and I have the power to choose. Um, and you know, and it, you learn a lot dating. Um, and I, I'm always, you know, encouraging people to date a lot, you know, go out on a ton of dates with people, get to know what you like, get to know what you don't know what like. You want. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, you have to get to a point where it's just a very empowering place to be in and just kind of think of it as meeting people. And, you know, it's easy to want to rush into something, but, you know, I always like to say, invest in someone as much as they invest into you. Definitely. Not based off of how much you like them. And I can look back at like little Rachel, you know, in college and high school. And I was always the one kind of like, you know, like just pouring into my relationships way too much based off of how much the other person was pouring into the relationship. So now it's just kind of looking at the relationship as to like, one, I don't need anybody. Yeah. No, I feel good with where I'm currently at. But when I do invite someone in, it's not to fulfill something that's missing. It's to add to my current happiness and add to each other. And I think that's what really makes a relationship. It's not coming from a place of lack but it's coming from a place of empowerment and of mm-hmm. growth together. Yeah. Um, there was a saying that my parents had, um, I always, you know, really loved their marriage just overall. And they always said it's a, a strong relationship is two independent people wanting to be together and that can operate completely independent of one another, but they want yes. to be together versus two people that then need to be together and that are dependent on one another. Yes. And that's where a lot of conflict happens um, as well. So I love that you were hitting on that. And another question that I know myself as, as an ambitious driven female like you, an achiever even, how is it in the dating world being an ambitious woman or do you feel like a lot of guys are intimidated by that or do you feel like they want it's more attractive what do you what do you think I feel like it's a superpower in a way in all <laughs> honesty <laughs> um it, it's from the outside perspective it can be hard because yes not a lot of guys will approach an ambitious woman it can be very very intimidating but I think it is also a blessing in disguise because it also weeds out a lot of people you may not be, don't want in your life anyway. Um, people who maybe aren't 
growth, have that growth mindset, aren't driven as well too. So for me, I know I need a partner who is fucking driven just like I am, who Mm -hmm. wants to achieve, who wants more, um, who's someone who's going to invest a lot of time into our relationship, into their own passions as well too. So that's something that's incredibly important to me. But I think, you know, it, it can be intimidating for some men because, you know, we're, but we are now in an era where women aren't getting married, you know, in their twenties anymore. They're waiting and they're pursuing their dreams and their passion. And, you know, we have this whole alpha female type world now, which is awesome. And I love it so much. (laughs) And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, Hey, I'm 20 and I want to get married and I want to have kids. You know, if that's what your why is, and that's what you want for your life. But, you know, if what you want for your life too is to travel the world, is to go explore, is to, you know, go out and meet people and, you know, grow your business, that's perfectly okay too. Um, but I'd say it's been difficult, but also a blessing in disguise, kind of being this alpha type female and being very ambitious and driven well, trying to date. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, like, I, I think probably for guys, it brings up a lot of insecurities for them, especially if you're even more successful, I guess you could say. Um, is that what you've noticed in some of the people you've dated? Yeah. I, I mean, I went on a date with a guy recently, um, an awesome person, um, but he really wasn't meeting my standards in terms of communication as to what I was looking for. You know, we'd plan um, to go grab coffee or to go get breakfast. And then I wouldn't get a response back for a bidet later and being like, Hey, sorry, I can't do that. Um, what about, what about doing dinner tonight? And then I'd be like, uh, I can't do dinner. How about this? And then I wouldn't get a response back again. And again, invest in people based off of how much they invest into you. And, you know, a week went by and, you know, he finally reaches out again. Hey, how's it going? But just pretending like nothing, of course. And, you know, I was straight up with him because again, I don't put up with bullshit anymore. It's part of my life that I'm in. And I was, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, I don't really feel like this relationship is meeting my standards for what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I don't feel like the communication has really been all that great. And I don't feel like there's been a respect for my time, um, as well. And that's something that's incredibly important to me is someone who values my time because I'm a very busy woman. And, uh, he basically just was like, uh, well, uh, 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 you know, I, I don't have time to be like, spend time with you seven days per week. And I was like, what? That is not what you're asking about. And you're just like, what? No, come on guy. Like this is not, no, I completely agree with you. And it's one of those things that like when you, everybody, every ambitious woman has these, you know, relationships in the past and the weeding out. But I think something that you and I have talked about a lot in our conversations is never settling. If you have if there is, you either have a supportive partner or you don't have a partner at all. You need somebody that, um, you know, I would say that I've had some difficult relationships in the past that you and I have talked about, but my husband now, he's, he's what we consider a push-up bra, <laughs> I guess you could say in like a, in like a way. That. Yeah. And it's just that like, you want someone that is a propeller. You don't want someone that's an anchor, someone that can lift you up, that can carry you far, that can, that wants the best for you, that wants to 
you know, you know, when it comes to the things that you do that wants to record your YouTube for you yeah. or that wants to, you know, look for different speaking opportunities, be in the front row and cheering you on, go Rachel. Like you want somebody that's like that versus someone that is just going to hold you back or be an anchor in your life. And so I love the fact that you just hit on, like you need some, you either have a, a wonderful partner and someone that can handle someone being as you know successful and incredible as you. Um, and that's along for the ride in the long term. So I think that's really awesome. And that leads into actually one of the questions that your audience members had is, you know, do you want a family one day? So once you find that person, that propeller, that's going to take you really far, are you, do you want a family one day? What does that look like for you? Yeah. I do want a family one day. Um, that's something that I feel like is a big why for me and is a big purpose. Um, but I'm also okay with where I'm currently at and I'm not going to rush it as well too. So I'm kind of like, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Mm -hmm. Um, and right now I'm perfectly okay with being single um, and sure, I'd love to have a family and I'd love to have, you know, a partner, but I'm not going to settle right for someone who's not, can't meet my standards, someone who's not that partner, like you were just talking about, who, who fuels my fire, who mm -hmm. helps me grow and helps me be better, who makes me feel good in the relationship just to meet this vision of wanting to be a mom and wanting to have a family. So, you know, I, I feel like that's a very tough question. Like I would love to be a mom one day and I'd love to have a family, but I also want to prioritize myself more than anything. And I want to remain, um, remain integral. I don't know what the word. Yeah. You, you, well, you want to, you want to, Number one, you want to be with somebody that is just going to like, just like what you were saying earlier, add to your life. So many people that are just settling to become a, a parent and then they are, are a parent, but then the relationship becomes all about the kid. You lose your career, you lose yourself in the process, and then everything just kind of... Yeah you know, falls apart. And so in this case, what you're trying to do is at least from what it sounds like in the story that we're hearing is that you want to create this solid foundation for yourself and your business and who you are. The way when you have that person come into your life and then you have a family, it just then evolves into this incredible life that, you know, has a solid foundation that you're building for yourself right now. Is that, is that what you're, what yeah. you feel is like yeah. along that line? You know, this is a topic that Obviously, I get a little bit like I lose words for like how to approach this because for me to get to the end of my life, if I wasn't able to become a mom, I honestly feel like I would be missing out on something that was very important to me. And I think part of that stems from my childhood and my mom not really being there a whole lot for me and now wanting to be that incredible mom. Um, but I also want it on my own terms as yeah. well too. So I think, yes, to answer your question, I would love to be a mom. I'd love to have a family one day, but I want to do it the right way. And I want to do it when I'm ready. And right now, like I would not be ready to have a family or to do any of that, you know, cause I, I am very focused on, um, building my career, building my business, but also still honestly, 
creating this version of myself that is just a fucking badass as well too in the process. Which you are and mic drop every woman that every single woman that is listening to this podcast right now, take these words, let it soak in. If you are single right now and you feel, you know, that you wish that you had a partner, that you wish you were already a mom, take this in and just enjoy this time to have that relationship with yourself. And, you know, Rachel is right there with you. And so just making sure you don't settle, like she said, and just really focusing on yourself because who you are is who you attract as well. Mm -hmm. So just make sure you focus on yourself and you get your own shit together and set that foundation. That way you can then build that amazing life. And so Rachel really appreciate you just talking us through that and kind of where you're at right now and where you eventually want to go. Um, another other thing that people were wondering about is, you know, what keeps you motivated when you don't feel motivated, you know, when you're in a rut or when you kind of feel like you're in this not as, you know, motivated place, what do you do to get out of that rut? I think it always goes back to your why. And I think for a lot of people trying to figure out a why that's also associated with your identity is incredibly important. If your why to go to the gym to eat healthy is just because you want to look good in a bikini for your cruise, which there's nothing wrong with, if that's your sole why though, it's going to be really, really hard to stick with it long term. Um, so I think though, if you can find a why that's connected with your identity, for me, that's you know wanting to create a version of myself that I'm fucking proud of. That you know and not follow the footsteps that most of my family has gone down. Um, so that's always been a, a big why for me and my driving factor. And I think the people who I've worked with who have been the most success, successful have had a why that's connected with their identity. I've had a client who, you know, was diabetic and for her, her why was she wanted to be able to play with her grandkids and she wanted to be able to see them grow up and go to college. That why was so engraved in who she was it did not matter, you know, how much she didn't feel like it on a lot of days. She was going to get in those workouts and she was going to, you know, eat the foods that she needed to. Um, so always remembering the why behind why you're doing this in the first place and trying to find a why that's connected with your identity. And then I'd say the other part of it too is you're not going to always be motivated. And that's also the question I get often as well too is, how do you always stay motivated? And my answer to that always is, I'm not always motivated. By all means, there are days where I do not want to go work out. I don't mm -hmm. want to meal prep. I don't want to eat the food. And You're human. Yeah. And you're not going to always be motivated. And if you solely rely on motivation, you're never going to get to where it is that you want to go. So then you have to rely on discipline as well too. And I always say this statement to myself when I'm in that mood where I don't want to work out, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm maybe scrolling on social media, which, you know, we've all gone down that rabbit hole and I'm just like, oh, I don't feel like it. I always say act in spite of thoughts, feelings, moods, and emotions, because, you know, our thoughts are not always true. And one thing that I've learned throughout my years of counseling is to question your thoughts. Our mind always likes to create these stories in um, our mind, but just because we have a thought doesn't mean it's true. And just because you feel a certain way 
doesn't also mean it's true. So I always try to remember the why, why am I doing this? And then act in spite of thoughts, feelings, moods, and emotions. And more often than not, like let's say when I'm in a rut, I'm feeling depressed. If I were to just lay there and continue scrolling on social media, I feel worse. But when I kind of do that, you know, okay, I need to act even though I don't feel like it. And I can just make myself and get up and go. And I do that workout. I'm always, always grateful that I did it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I feel a million times better just doing things, even when I don't feel like it. Um, Having that discipline. Having that discipline. Yeah. Love it. And so with, we have been able to get a like inside look at just who you are, why you do it. And I think it just, it really helps me trust you more. And just like, even just as one of your previous clients or as one of your audience members and just watching you some, you know, blossom into the amazing person that you are, um, and just being one of your best friends. But, um, where do you see your brand going? What, what does the next five years look like to you? Five, 10 years. What is your overall mission? My mission is to a impact as many lives as I can through functional medicine, helping people figure out the root cause of their chronic illness, but also helping people create the greatest versions of themselves, help them create a version that they're proud of. And I always tell my clients when I work with them, you know, this is not just a physical transformation. This is just not about, you know, losing 20 pounds and, you know, being more fit. The person who walks in is going to be a completely different person who walks out, you know, three, six months later. So we're really in the business of transforming people from the inside out. The physical is just like an extra win on top of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I do this because, you know, I want to impact as many people as possible um, through my mission and through my passion. I think that's the most incredible thing ever. I think if you can find something that you're passionate about, that you love doing, that's something very special to your heart. And for me, it was a lot of my own struggles that what I went through um, with my childhood and my trauma and my own health issues. And that became a big purpose for me. And then also tie that to helping other people. I think that's like the ultimate win. So, you know, in the next five years, um, I'd love to continue speaking. Um, I have a goal of to uh, do another speaking engagement in front of 2000 people, which for me, as I've mentioned multiple times is I've I'm a huge introvert and still speaking scares me to death. Even podcasting sometimes, like it takes me a while to sometimes get in to the rhythm of things. And, you know, I do it anyway, uh, because if you just sit there in fear, you're never going to grow. And it's putting yourself consistently in these uncomfortable situations. It's speaking, even though you're scared to death to do it. And then when you're done, you're like, holy shit, I did it. And you do it again and again and again. And then that's how you become an expert in it. So, you know, in the same, when it came to fitness and working out, I was never good right off the bat when I started doing it, you know, and you're going to suck at first, but it's, it's also being okay with sucking as long as it takes to get better. Yeah. And I think that just being able to like feel that passion and feel your why just kind of come through the microphone just now, it just is so like, it's just, it's just an absolutely incredible. And so just to wrap up this incredible episode for personal Q and A, what would you say are the three 
three tips or three pieces of advice that you want to leave your audience with just to, as they're going into their next week, what are three things that you would want to leave them with? I would say number one, and this is something that we should always be thinking about. If you haven't, you know, figuring out what your why is, why do you want to go on this journey? Why do you want to lose the weight? Why do you want to create this version of yourself to get the bigger booty, to get the six pack abs? You know, why is this important to you? And then how is that why associated with your identity, with who you are as as a person? Um, I would say that the second one is, you know, what does that version of yourself look like? Mm -hmm. What does that, the greatest version of yourself look like? And I think not enough of us take the time to really visualize what that person looks like. And it's, it's how does she walk? How does she talk? How does she show up? How does she speak? You know, is she speaking in confidence? And, you know, how does she carry herself when she's meeting new people? What kind of energy does she bring to the room? You know, what does that version of yourself look like? And go really, really into detail with that. Um, And then the last one I would say is, you know, don't settle. You know, don't settle with anything in life. Don't settle with your health. Don't settle with your business, your passions, your relationships. The people who want to be in your life will rise up to meet those standards. And I'm, I'm all for communication and giving people chances and trying to help them grow with you. But the people who are really meant to be in your life will grow with you. And, you know, if you need to relook at the circle that you're in, sometimes that's necessary. It's really, really difficult to do. But, you know, how do the people you're with on a daily basis leave you feeling after? Do they leave you feeling better or do they leave you feeling worse? Because the people in your life should bring you happiness. They should make you feel incredible after. And that's how it is every time we're together. We're like, (laughs) oh my God, I have this fire that's been lit in me. And if the people you're surrounded around are pulling you back, are making you feel worse, then maybe it's time to reassess your circle. So, um, you know, I think that was maybe more than three, but no, I think I've, I mean, just to recap, number one, determining your why, but not just the, the first layer of why that's peeling back the onion of the layers of why, just like what you were talking about with your client, how she just wanted to go play with her grandkids and watch them graduate and get married and all of these things. So number one, determining the why number two, visualizing you hit it on the head by acting what you want to become. What does that person look like? What do they do? All of the above. And then number three is just to not settle when it comes to any part of your overall life. And so just thank you so much for answering these questions for us. I know I've been asking all of these questions ever since I've known you for the past three years or so. So giving us that insight really just helps us be able to get to know you more and to love you even more. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing the interview. It was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> It's always, uh, I'm so used to being the interviewer on my podcast. So I just hope everyone was able to take a lot out of this. We definitely did. Well, thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.